Good evening, everybody. It's five o'clock. Time for us to begin. If you're still in the foyer in the hallway, we invite you to come into the auditorium. Tonight's service is going to be a little different, and I know it's a big disappointment to our children, but kids sing. We're not having that tonight. We'll look forward to having that again next week. We have a special speaker tonight, Wayne Barrier. We want to give him as much time as we possibly can. The teens are going to meet in their regular location, but all of the adult classes are going to meet here in the auditorium for Wayne's presentation. If you are unable to partake of the Lord's Supper this morning, it's been prepared in the chapel, so if you will leave now, uh, you'll be served. The Fried Hardeman Chorale is going to be here Sunday, October the 22nd. A lot of the young men from that group are going to conduct the devotional service at 5 p.m., so not this coming Sunday, but the next. Again, we will, in this case, all be meeting here in the auditorium. Our visitation team is going to be helping with the meal, and they're asking everybody who's attending to please bring several potluck dishes. That's going to be October 22nd. Golden Circle is having a luncheon on Tuesday, October the 10th at 1130 in the Annex. The Golden Circle is also going to be traveling to West Tennessee Delta Heritage Center and Tina Turner Museum. Yay! <laughs> this Saturday, going to leave at noon, probably get back around 8.30 that night. Our own Joe Garrett is going to be performing. This thing is called the Hatchie Boys Bluegrass Festival. Well, that's Joe's band, so they're really being honored, and we want to go and support them. So if you participate, there's a list there in the foyer for you to sign up. Let us know how many to expect. Golden Circle is also taking a trip um, to Kentucky and Tennessee. The funds for that are required now. If you can, please get that to Jim Estes. Trunken treat is going to be Sunday, October the 29th. There'll be sign-up sheets out for trunks. You can see Guy or Amelia Gardner if you can help for additional information. All right, that's all the announcements I'm aware of. We're going to have a prayer, and after the prayer, our children are dismissed to their classes, and then right after that, I'll introduce our speaker, and we'll let him have it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the blessing of this day. What a beautiful day it's been. Thank you for all the activities that have occurred today, for the things that we're anticipating in the future. All of these things to your glory and to honor. We thank you for this evening. Thank you that Brother Barrier is able to be here and to share with us the work that he and his family are involved in all over the world. We thank you for the classes that have been prepared for all of our children. We pray your blessings on our teachers and on the students, that learning can take place. We pray, Father, that you will bless us through the exercise of this evening and help us be enthralled with the work that you're doing in so many places. And thank you for the privilege of being able to join hands with somebody like Brother Wayne and to be able to see the good work that's being done in so many places. Thank you for our little part in that. We pray you'll bless us all in our various endeavors. In Jesus' name, amen. You may go. <laughs>
I don't have any idea how many years the Boonville Church has been involved in Wayne Barrier's work, but I know it's been quite a while. In fact, I don't know of any other missionary that we support that actually has a standing invitation. It usually takes place usually the first Sunday of October. We had to shift it this year. Nevertheless, here he is again. Uh, every time he comes, he just excites us about the work that he and his family are able to do in so many far-off places. Uh, he's a real inspiration to us. When the mission team gets together and talks about new works, invariably Wayne's work becomes the standard by which we measure others. I don't think that's very fair to them, but that's how we basically do it because we like how he does it. Uh, his philosophy in the work is very much in line with ours. So we're thrilled to have him here again this year to share with us the work that he's been doing and looking forward to the great strides that they'll be making in the future. So without any further ado, Brother Wayne Barrier. Well, I look forward to this meeting every year as well, and um, I'm thrilled that you've been a part of what we do for a long, long time. I didn't look it up today to see, but it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to 35 years. Uh, and uh, it's been a great, is a great association, and because you help us, many, many people have been able to hear the gospel around the world and been able to obey the gospel, and that's what we're all about. I think I like the theme that you had, reaching forward. You know, I don't think we move if we're not reaching forward. We can't, uh, I, I just think we always have to be grasping for something that's, that's beyond our grasp. And if we do, then we'll do more and do better things. And I think that's a, a good theme, I guess, for, for the congregation here in your work and, and what you're doing. We've had a good year. I say that every year, I think, but, and I hope I always can say that. Uh, the pandemic years caused a lot of chaos, caused us to have to make a lot of changes, and some of those changes were hard to make, and some of them have resulted in our work being better than it was before, and it's, been, it's different in some places than it was before, but the bottom line is that we're back to where we're getting somewhere around 33, 3,400 baptisms a year, and you know, we don't measure our success by the number of baptisms, but it does reflect some things, especially if you're in, in, uh, in the same place, you might say, in, in the world, and, and so we're, we're pleased with that. Our radio and television responses are about 300,000 a year, a little bit more than we had before, and uh, we've got our training program up to about 500 people a year, which we, we want to get to 600 people a year, so we're still a little bit short there. But it's been good, and we've made a lot of trips, my role and the role of my sons and some of our key team members is to train people who are leaders and uh, leaders in schools and teaching programs in the foreign countries. And when we can't go, that doesn't get done. So we've had to double up on our travel just to, to catch up on that. But we're just about at that point. Uh, I will be leaving, if Lord's willing, I'll be leaving day after tomorrow, my wife and myself and one of our sons for a month-long trip. We're supposed to be in Thailand, uh, India, Nepal, and Vietnam. And then one of the, two of the sons are going on to Burma. We, my wife and I were just in Burma, so we won't be making that trip. So keep us in, in your prayers as, as we begin this travel. You know our program, three things. Number one, use mass media anywhere we go to what extent we can. Radio, literature, television, the internet, and that's how we reach lots of people. We cover the home of, of many, many millions of people across the world, billions of people. And those dots show broadcast points. Our key broadcasting partner, or they, they, we work with them, is Pan American Broadcasting in Florida. They have 1,400 big broadcast towers all over the world. And we buy radio time from them. Most of the time it's $50 for one uh, 15 or 30 minute program. It's very inexpensive. They favor religious broadcasting. 
And so most of these dots represent a place where we're broadcasting with them. We do some more local AM, FM broadcasting, and then we use television in India now, and uh, we can cover all the major language groups in India with, with TV programs. And, of course, that's now the most populous country in the world. And uh, when you can reach all of them some way with something, it's a pretty good achievement. The second step is when they respond and we send literature to them and they start uh, studying with us. Uh, we go through a process uh, where we eventually get to them in person. And we have 31 campaign teams that work with us now. I started with one team, one team almost 40 years ago. And that one team today has baptized about 67,000 people since I started with them. I wish all of them were that, uh, that big, but anyway, we have 31 teams, and we work with them when we go. My sons travel uh, with me, and, and uh, we have one son who's leaving the Philippines uh, today, headed home, so we're in the field. some of us are in the field all the time. But anyway, we help with uh, the follow-up, and, uh, and it goes on when we're not there. Meetings, seminars, gospel meetings, and that's when the baptisms occur. Uh, we start new congregations, and when you do, uh, they don't really know how to operate as a congregation, so they have to be taught, and that's what we have Bible schools for. We have 12 schools. We're looking at starting two more schools in the next year. That'll bring us to 14, where we train preachers and teachers and leaders. They're Bible schools. We train men and women. Many of the men become preachers, but not all of them, and, and that's what stabilizes our growth. Another major function that we perform in this work is to report. And we make it a point, if at all possible, to get back to everyone who helps us uh, once a year. And uh, the precedent for that is Acts 14 and 27, where Paul and Barnabas were coming back after their first missionary journey and reporting to those who had uh, sent them on their trip. And so we do that as, as well. And all of our methods, we think, are based on the Scripture. The, of course, they didn't have radio, but they, they found ways to reach lots of people and, and reach masses in the first century. And there was a process, teach, baptize, teach, from the Great Commission. Sri Lanka, an older work started by J.C. Choate, uh, the work that we're involved with. There were actually workers there uh, a few years before that. And... Uh, we have two bases in Sri Lanka, uh, Colombo in the south and Jaffna in the north. We reach out across the country from those two points. This country uh, went through a total political and economic collapse uh, almost two years ago. And Jet and I were there in, in March of this year. The family that we work with and have worked with all these years lost almost everything they have, and they were a very, very wealthy family. Uh, they've never taken any support from us. They support the work just like we do there. And they've probably put more into it than we have. And, um, and they lost everything they had because of the economy and the government collapsing at, at the same time. But these are pictures from our trip. They're lined up. There's gas, gasoline rationing, food rationing. Uh, and it's, it's still going on. It's getting a little better, but it's still very, very hard there. Um, this is in the building there in Colombo. Um, and this little girl attached herself to me and Janet. And uh, just beautiful, beautiful people. And uh, it's a joy to, to be a part of, of doing what we do there in that country. This is Harold Thomas. Uh, make sure I'm, these are different up here, so I'm not sure where I am. Harold is the key man there. He's the son-in-law of Reggie Ganasandram. I know the Mormons have met, met Reggie when he was here uh, many years ago. He died in 2007, but his daughter and her husband lead in the work today. From there over to India, uh, we as I said, we cover all of India with something. The work that we do, which is mostly follow-up, we work with Winona a lot on the media programs, and uh, we, we do the, some of the television separate from them, but... Our two bases are uh, Delhi in the north and Bangalore in the south, and uh, that's Hindi and, and Tamil, uh, the Tamil languages. 
India is still India, even though we're in uh, modern times in most of the world. If you travel anywhere in India, uh, that's actually a pretty good highway scene there. Uh, cows and rickshaws and, and every kind of vehicle imaginable in the roads. Uh, but there's change occurring, uh, advertising on the sides of the road, on the sides of buildings. Uh, this is a modern airport in Bangalore. Those are Muslims. 30% of India are Muslim. And uh, there's a Subway, and there's a Burger King, a McDonald's. Of course, you won't get any beef at any of those places. Uh, they don't have it. You'll get uh, goat or, or mutton and, of course, chicken and fish, but uh, they still have the names of the restaurants anyway. This is the third generation of the David family that works with us, Vinay, with his wife, Reshma. And uh, he, he does the TV program with his dad and his uncle in Hindi that covers over 100 million people. And they have thousands and thousands of correspondent students that they're working with all the time. And uh, they're just, just hard workers. That's all you can say. We, we're supposed to meet Vinay when we first arrive in just a few days at the airport. And that's his wife, Reshma, wonderful young woman. Uh, she uh, is a, has a master's degree in chemical engineering, but she met and married Vinay, and she's a homemaker. She's never worked uh, outside the home. They have two boys that are going to be preachers, I'm sure. Uh, P.R. Swami in the South, uh, let me get back, uh, has been our long-term partner there, and uh, he's been sick. Uh, he was hit by a motorcycle about a month ago, or six weeks ago now, broke his uh, hip, basically, and had to have surgery, and he's getting around with a walker right now, and Saroja had to have heart surgery back in December. In March, Jen and I went down to see them, and... Um, Visit with them, visit them on this last trip. And Brother Swami told a story. I want to share that with you. Uh, it was amazing to me. Uh, Saroja went to the hospital in December. I went to the doctor for a toe infection. And so the doctor, he looks at all of that and, and does all kinds of tests and examinations and comes back and he says, uh, you've got a much ser more serious problem than your toe. He said, I'm not going to let you go home. He said, you're about to have a, a fatal heart attack. Your heart is just about to, to, uh, to go out. And, uh, and he said, I've got to operate on you. And so, you know, that, that'll knock you off your feet. So Swami comes in, of course, and they talk. And he says, there, if you want to stay alive, that's the only thing you can do. And so anyway, they agreed and and uh, they scheduled surgery the next day. And uh, before she went into the operating room, Brother Swami asked if he could meet with the doctors and nurses who would be performing the surgery. And uh, they said yes. He didn't know who was going to be doing it. But when he got to the, uh, to the room where they were, of course, Saroja was there and uh, on the, the gurney or whatever, and all the doctors and all the nurses were Muslim. And so what Swami had asked to, to lead a prayer with them before she goes in. So he prayed with all these Muslims, and her doctor's Muslim, he prayed in Jesus' name. Well, in, in, uh, in, that, uh, in, in a Muslim environment, just the name Jesus spoken will provoke anger and a reaction. But he still prayed in Jesus' name. She went into surgery, uh, long surgery. She comes out, goes to recovery. Finally, the doctor comes to Swami in the in the right wedding room, and he says, uh, "He says, you know, your wife really didn't have a chance. Uh, her chance of survival was less than than two two percent." And he said. But she hadn't done this, she didn't have any chance. It was almost zero. And he said, I held her heart in my hand as I repaired it, as I repaired it. And he said, she's alive, and she's doing well. And he said, Mr. Swami, your God is God. Your God is the God. You know, it takes a lot of courage sometimes 
to do what's right and to stand for your faith because he, he could have easily said, oh, I'm not going to pray in Jesus' name with all these Muslims here. But he said, Jesus will take care of it. And he did. Wonderful man. I hope he gets on his feet completely, has a few thousand more baptisms. Burma, we started there 26 years ago. Four members of the church. Now they're all over the country. Those are operating bases throughout the country. They've gone through a horrible uh, two years. Uh, their government was over, overrun by the, the communist military again. They had had five years of freedom. Buddhist country, uh, they locked it down. Uh, they closed all their schools. Their schools are still not open. They shut everything that we were doing down. Um, commerce stopped like this place. You know, that's an indoor skydiving place. It's been closed. Uh, the communists just don't want to uh, do anything like that or have, they just don't want any kind of waste, they would call it, of, of any kind. And so we couldn't go to Burma for a couple of years. We sent funds over through Western Union and MoneyGram so they could help the brethren, and they did some work. They were able, to, we couldn't run our schools, but they could do remote training and, and uh, do things like that. And then finally in December, uh, almost a year ago now, one of our elders, who is a businessman with, with factories in China, was over in China, and he found out he could just fly across the border into Burma and spend the night, and he did. And that's Don Posey, one of our elders there with some of the brethren in, in the Rangoon. And then the next month, Janet and I went over, and we met with groups of leaders, one group at a time, for three days, and, and we're there three days, and they figured the military couldn't triangulate and, and figure out what we were doing and get to us. And we met all those leaders and um, had some really, really good visits. One of the best trips that I have ever had in my whole time it, because they were so encouraged. We asked them if, if it would put them at risk for us to be there, and they begged us to come. We were in Asia, too, anyway, and, and they, uh, they said, come on over. This is one of our preachers. He found out if he carried his children with him when he went out, the army left him alone. And so uh, that's his little girl that came to the meeting that we had. More leaders there on the left is the head of Memoir Bible College, Mandalay Bible School in the background there. Uh, this is one of our young preachers. He was the top graduate in 2019, uh, was up in the middle of the country on a relief project, handing out food to people in a, in a village that was starving. The military came in. Killed all the relief workers. Killed him. And uh, so we lost a good one when, when he died. Uh, more leaders. Um, on the left is the college professor that helped me put this program together in Burma, Brother Joe Sane and his daughter. And on the right is the director of all of our China work, which we went into China from, from Burma. A month later, my youngest son followed uh, with uh, a cousin, and they met with some of the same people. We can't meet on the campus, but we can take the college on the road. And that's a class of Myanmar Bible College uh, up in the Chin Hills. We have a program with Bear Valley. We're meeting with nine students remotely uh, with, with uh, that program. Campaigns, this is in, again in the Chin Hills, northwest Burma. And so uh, things are moving uh, slowly, and they take risks to move, but we're... We're making good progress even with that. Nepal is a newer work for us, although it's now about six years, I guess. Uh, Joey heads this. Uh, our base is Kathmandu, and Jan and I are supposed to be there just in a few days. That's just one of our first uh, places to work on this trip coming up this week. That's looking out across the valley where the city is located. Kathmandu is also a failed, I mean, Burma, Nepal is also a failed state, and so. Uh, in Kathmandu, you see the rundown buildings and the evidence of, of, of a bad economy, uh, but our work's flourishing. Nepal Bible College, we're building a new building for this. We don't have room for people, and uh, that's Joey and Jeremy, Joey's son, helping teach there. Uh, big groups in campaigns, uh, especially in the East. And that's a granddaughter of ours. She's a senior at Fred Hardeman. She wants to be a missionary. She's made four mission trips this year already. And uh, she goes with Joey when she can and teaches uh, teenagers and children. 
and uh, that's where she was uh, on that Nepal trip. Here's um, uh, a little congregation meeting. Western Nepal, smaller groups. The, this is the field that we need to be focused on, and we are. That's where we'll be working on this trip. And uh, so there's uh, plans for that. China, uh, this is the biggest, uh, biggest program we have today in our work. We have purposely put everything we can into China. We don't think we'll have a lot of time there, and we don't any day it could stop. So uh, we, we enter through Burma, and we started by doing that uh, almost 20 years ago now. And what happened was our Burmese preachers that live on the border just started going across the border and preaching. Pretty soon we're baptizing people in, in China. They're coming to our schools. We're training workers, so we realized we could put a big program together. Thousands of pieces of literature every month go into China from Burma. And this is, this is the base uh, of operation of that program, and uh, she's putting materials together there. You might recognize that orange book. That's the Church of the Bible. It's a J.C. Choke book. It's in Chinese and Lesu, and uh, there's Jayati teaching. And this is over just across the border, groups being taught, and lots and lots of baptisms. And, of course, we can't go into China now. We have to send, send our Burmese, and now our Chinese preachers are, are doing all of it. Vietnam, uh, we, Jeremy was just in Vietnam uh, just about a week ago. Hanoi is our base in the north and Saigon in the south. And, and later this month, Jant and I plan to be there. Our key partner in that is Brother Mien, one of our partners. That's him on the left. He, he goes out and works on his motorcycle. And he he's goes back to the Vietnam War. He was a soldier converted by American doctors who were members of the church. He was a medic and, and uh, just, just does a great job today uh, helping us and, and partnering with us. That's his son not there baptizing uh, a lady. And uh, this is up in Hanoi, and he helped start that work up there. Uh, another worker, a newer worker, on the back left, his name is Hong On Trans, and we call him On. And we brought him to the U.S., and he got his master's, uh, Master of Divinity at, at Heritage, uh, so he could be the head of a school there that'll be government-recognized. Uh, Vietnam Bible Institute, and uh, Jeremy is working with him on that, and that's on uh, not this trip, but the previous trip when Jeremy was there. Uh, that's An's dad, who was also is also a gospel preacher, baptizing a man, and that uh, tank that he's baptizing him in is the water supply for a family's home. Now they'll that's their drinking water and and, and their kitchen water and all of that. But they, they baptize that man there, and uh, that's, uh, that's Vietnam. Philippines, uh, several bases. These are key ones, Cebu, Samar, and Virac in the north. Uh, and we, have, uh, we cover all of the central islands. There are 7,000 islands uh, called the Visayas. Uh, beautiful, beautiful country, lots of uh, scenes like this. This is June Arcelia, who works with us, uh, does radio, bab seminars, baptizes a lot of people. The baptisms are usually in the ocean there. Samar Island, we have Samar Bible School there. This is a newer school. We, Jan and I went over in the last year, and, and we kind of commissioned doubling the size of that school. And uh, this young man who leads this, I'll show his picture in a minute, Baptized over 300 people in the last year. He's a dynamo. Uh, I just we'll put that in. Now she's washing her her clothes there and and just wash pans basically by hand. But notice the satellite dish on the side of her of her house. And uh, you know you got to get your priorities, don't you? And uh, so we thought that was interesting. I don't know how she gets power for it, but well, that's the typical. Uh, church building in, in rural Philippines. Uh, one of our guys is there. Uh, and Joey took his whole family this summer uh, to teach in the school. That's our new building there, and Joey's teaching class. And this is the director, uh, Edwin Enso. 
We formed uh, the Philippine Institute of Biblical Studies 23 years ago. I helped Ruben Imperato form it, and, and we started. I taught the very first classes, and Edwin was in my classes, Pentecostal preacher. And uh, today, he is our best preacher in the Philippines. He was converted and does a just tremendous job. And that's he and his wife. We teach all of our students how to campaign. Uh, in their and they go after every class session and on a campaign. That's what those few uh, students did right there. Those are their baptisms. And uh, here's Gracie again, Fried Hardeman student doing uh, children's classes this summer. That's Joey's wife. She did the ladies. And Joey's son, who's a sophomore at Freed, uh, did a teen class, and he baptized several of his, of his teenage students. The other school is the Philippine Institute, older school on Cebu, and those are classes there that all these classes resumed in the last year. Uh, they had a hard shutdown in the Philippines. And we have a Bear Valley cooperative program as well uh, there. We have work on Alongo Island, a new project there. I think I told the story last year about this lady who had lost her hearing and uh, we, we built a building for them to, as a Bible study center so they could plant more congregations on that island. And uh, there she is. She's a college teacher who comes over on afternoons and Saturdays, teaches children and ladies, and her husband's a preacher there. And that's their new building. It's not very big, but uh, it'll help them. Uh, they hope to plant 50 congregations in the next few years. That's her husband teaching the workers as they build a building inside. And uh, it's going well. And J Jeremy was just there. Malaysia, my oldest son and I made a trip to Malaysia last November, probably right after I was here. And uh, that was the first trip there since the pandemic. And they had just opened up, just barely were open. But we made a trip into the jungle to visit. And this is our co-worker there that leads. We, I met him in Singapore probably 35 years ago. He was a college professor there for a trade show, and I was there with the government. We met and connected. He was converted, and he quit his job and has worked with us ever since and uh, done a good job uh, starting little congregations and, and out in the rural areas. That's my son and I and Thomas I was talking about on the left and some co-workers. We were in a little bitty building in the middle of nowhere, and uh, this little baby was in that uh, sling there behind me, and I was kind of dreading it. I thought, man, this is going to be loud, I think. She never whimpered the whole time. It's 115 degrees, and uh, I was just melting, and uh, no problem at all for them. And then Jeremy and Carrie followed me on that trip about a month later. We have a co team of co-workers in Singapore, and we met with them, Jack and I did, on our way out. They help us in two or three other countries. Uh, Cambodia, we, have, uh, so we help them some in Cambodia. They help us in Malaysia, Vietnam, and, and uh, some in Indonesia. We have a lot of work in South America. The youngest son uh, spearheads this, and we're adding bases down there all the time. Uh, this is... Uh, course mostly Spanish speaking except for Brazil which is Portuguese and then we have some new work in East Africa we've had work there for for about 15 years that generates about 400 baptisms a year it's a good project and we had a chance to, to double the size of that work so Jan and I made a trip to Africa this summer and uh, to meet with meet with the team that's helping us with that or we're helping them really and uh, they've started their new broadcast in Tanzania. And uh, the other broadcast is in Kenya. And these are just pictures of, of a fellowship. And that's a grandson uh, teaching there. And I'm speaking uh, at uh, Kilimanjaro Bible School, which is a part of that work. And that's the young man who leads that on the left with his wife. He and his wife are both Fried Hardeman graduates from, from when our son was there back in the late 90s. Uh, and that's Mount Kilimanjaro. Thank you so much for your help, your support, your encouragement in what we do. And, and uh, you know, we couldn't do it. Uh, it takes those who sin and those who go for it to work. And we uh, greatly understand how much we uh, depend on you. I have a video uh, 
that uh, should come up now, and then I'll do, uh, do you do an invitation? Okay, after, okay. Let me see if I'm here yet. I hear it, so. Siluan hanim mo mga sila. Okay, congratulations. Anak na hanggi noo. Kumbulto na kita. Sumaihan ni mo mga kombinasyon. Nanay, yan. Sige. We try to fill that hole with other things.
some of the people we work with in, in these places have more courage than I can even imagine. I, I can't even comprehend uh, doing what they do and, and, um, and having the strength and the will and the courage to do it. That last picture there of, of that group uh, had just been baptized. And um, Burma's been shut down, and it's any Christian activity is illegal, but our leaders that work with us have been doing campaigns. You can't, you can't ride a bus or a train across the country because there's fighting going on all over the country. It, there's a civil war underway. It never makes our news, but there's people dying every day there. And so... Uh, they couldn't figure out how to, to get to people, and uh, they figured out you can fly over dividing from one city to another and then maybe go on foot or, or by animal cart to, to rural areas. And, and they find rural places where they can gather groups of people together and have these uh, campaigns and meetings. And several months ago, uh, about five months ago, Philip, who leads Myanmar Bible College, went to northwest Burma to... The Chin Hills, one of the most productive, or one of the most receptive fields in, in the country, and they had a big campaign. They had hundreds of people there. They came from a lot of other villages and small towns and, and communities. A week-long uh, campaign, gospel meeting, baptisms every day, and that picture was the last day the group that was baptized that afternoon, and, and they were all about to start home, mostly walking home to where they live. Some of them would be, be a several-day walk. And um, one of the young preachers that was helping Philip came up to him and said, Philip, I just got a, a message on my phone that my village has been hit by the Air Force in an airstrike. They flew over the village, they dropped bombs, and they came through with their guns, and they blew it up, blew up the, the village, and said there's over 100 people killed, uh, many, many homes are destroyed. And he says, all I know is that I can't go home, and I don't know if my home is there, uh, if my family is alive. Can I go with you back to Calais? That's where we have Calais Bible College, and the campus is empty. We can't have classes there. But we do have a campus, we have buildings, we have dorms. And Philip said, of course you can go back with me until you can, can get your life together. And they were making preparation to leave, and, and then here comes others, others, more and more and more. Same message. Many of them lost everything they had and lost family members as well. And so our school, a campus in Calais, turned into a refugee center. And we had people just pouring in there from these villages that had been blown up and, and bombed. And, and just a few hours later, after all of that, we start getting messages at home. My wife and Joey and myself, we've got all these people here, and, and we're going, we're not, we can't feed them. We don't have the, the money. Uh, we don't have what it takes to feed these hungry people and put some cover on them at night and, and uh, shelter them. Can, can you help us? And so we started, we found a group of people, and you can only send $700. So we found several people, and they each one sent $700. And we ran a, a refugee, refugee center for about four months. And after four months, every single one of them went back home. But in between there, there was a continuous training program in place. And we got pictures almost every day of people being baptized that were being taught as we housed them there in that place. And you know what it says is um, you can blow people up and you can blow up their homes and, and, uh, and destroy everything they have, but you can't stop God. You can't stop Him. If you'll just reach forward and do what you can right then, right there in Jesus name it will bring results it'll bring results they're so courageous so brave and they inspire us so much as we close let's let's think about our lives and the sacrifices that we're making 
as we live out our faith. We see what they're doing when they live out their faith. What, where, where is your faith taking you in your everyday life? You know, Jesus said, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. He also said, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to give yourself completely to me. You're going to have to give your life to me. They do. Are we? Think about that. And if you need to, to respond to his invitation to, to repent and ask for forgiveness because you don't think things are right, then you can do that. And we'll help you if you want to come as we sing. There's a thousand times greatest for you and me that saves inspiring. Uh, we are thrilled to be a part of the work that you do and we look forward to hearing more great things that are being done. Let's have a prayer and then we're going to be dismissed. Our Father, we thank you so much for uh, this evening, for the report that Brother Wayne gave about the work that's being done all over the world. We thank you, Lord, that we are able to participate in a small way, but we see your hand moving in so many ways, and it's inspiring to see the faith of those who are in these far-off places trusting you and going about their lives depending on you completely. I pray, Lord, that our lives will reflect that in abundance, too. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have to live in this country with all of these benefits. But Lord, I, I pray that we won't ever take that for granted, that we'll use the resources that are in our hands, not only to expand your kingdom and your borders here, but also to help in great works like we've heard about tonight. Please bless us, Lord, as we go from this place and keep us safe. Bless the barriers as they're making plans to go on a trip. We pray they'll have great success. You'll keep them safe. And we pray, Lord, that if you'll grant us another day, that we'll use it in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name, amen.